Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, good morning, church. Um, how's everybody doing today? Hey, I want to let you know, first of all, this afternoon is uh, we're having a sporting clay shoot uh, sponsored by our men's ministry, but anyone is welcome to come. And uh, that's going to be at 2 o'clock at Defender, and there's still open spots if you'd like to come. And in case you're worried about embarrassing yourself, last night I got my shotguns out, and, and this is no joke. Check the barrels to make sure there weren't some kind of dirt dauber nest in there or something. So it's been a while since I've had my shotguns out. Um, so just come. We're going to have a good time. There'll be dinner and uh, also some uh, guns we're going to uh, give away as door prizes, I think, and raffle off, and that's going to be fun. Hey, can you put me down for an extra cart? Taylor wants to come, by the way. All right, thanks. Um, and so we're, I'm going to be there, and you can come watch and make fun of me if you want to. But it is going to be a good time, and I hope you'll come and join us. Um, we are continuing a series that was kind of born out of Easter. And last week we talked about the arrival of the Spirit. And so the church is, uh, you know, the, the Jesus in physical form is now gone. He's ascended to heaven. But the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God has come and rested upon um, God's people. And they spend, you know, uh, there's, there are different times in the rest of the New Testament where they talk about and try to work through what the Spirit does, what the Spirit is for, how it, how it works. And so today we're going to talk about what some of the things the Spirit does. And I do want to make something clear. There are mysteries in the Spirit that we, we will probably never understand. I might be able to tell you what the Spirit does, but I may not be able to fully explain how the Spirit does that. But that comes in faith, and we know what the Spirit does in many ways. And so we're going to I don't mean for today to be, it's not going to be an exhaustive study of it because there's just too much to really do in one week or two or three or maybe even a hundred. I don't know. But next week we will talk about the fruits of the spirit, which is part of it. But today we're going to talk about some of the functions of the spirit. And we're going to begin in John chapter 16, verses seven through eight. If you don't mind going and turning there in your Bibles, um, and uh, they'll have the words on the screen as well. But if you would please stand in honor of the reading of God's word, John 16, 7 and 8. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, the, the, our first encounter with the Holy Spirit comes before we are believers. And Jesus said that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. You know, the Bible also says there are none who seek after God, not even one. But God seeks after us. And he draws us by the Holy Spirit to come to an understanding of who Jesus is. And then the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And that's part of what, of that process of becoming a believer is. And uh, I, I can vividly remember, even at seven years of age, of realizing that without Jesus, I was going to go to hell because of my sin, and that I needed a Savior. And that is not because that's something that I figured out at seven years of age. That's because the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin and revealed to me the truth of who Jesus is. And that is a part of the beginning of the work of salvation. The second part is that 
um, the spirit who leads us to the truth by conviction of sin and by his profession of who Jesus is. The second part is in John 3, 5. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water. That's, an, that's a, a regular birth and the spirit. And so we're born of the spirit when we come to faith in Christ. In that moment, we are, some people term it baptized of the spirit. That happens the moment we come to faith in Christ. We talked about last week, the scripture's clear that if you do not have the spirit of Christ, you don't have Jesus. And so you cannot be saved and be a believer without having the Holy Spirit. That is crystal clear in the scripture. And so that begins at that moment. And then in Romans 8, 15 through 17, it says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as, as his own children. And so that comes when we accept Christ, when we're born of the spirit, when we're born again, is that now we go from being God's creation, whom he loves, to being God's children. And you hear people all the time, they sing songs about it. We're all God's children. And I understand what they're trying to say, but we're not all God's children. We become God's child when we accept Jesus Christ. In that moment, we are adopted as sons or daughters into the kingdom of God. Now, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love those who've not come to that faith. He does. He loves them. He created them. They're created in his image. But we are adopted as his own children in that moment when we come to faith in Christ. And so as a result of that, now we call him Abba Father. And that word Abba is an Arabic term that best translates for us as daddy. And, you know, even, as, even now as a, as a father, I, you know, I, I hear sometimes you'd be out somewhere and you hear somebody, hear a kid or something, they say daddy. And it sounds like even though my kids are older now, it snaps your head around, doesn't it? And there's that, that knowledge that when they're young and you hear them call your name that you immediately want to see, you know, particularly when you're out somewhere. And we have that ability now to call upon our father, our, our spiritual daddy. He is God almighty. And we have that relationship with him now because we've been born of the spirit. And then this part's really important for the spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. That assurance that we have that we belong to God, that comes from the knowledge that, hey, I did what the scripture said, but that is affirmed in us by the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't mean that there aren't moments of doubt through life, okay? There are. There are moments where you're like, man, can I, can I have done that and, and really be saved? How can I be saved and act like I act sometimes? Could this really be true? But the more that I've followed God through the years, the affirmation of the Spirit has caused me to know that I know that I know that I belong to Jesus. And you know what? Our faith is something that God wants us to know. And that's why part of the function of the Holy Spirit is to affirm in us that we belong to Jesus. And so here's the thing. I don't want you to doubt your salvation because you have a doubt every now and then. Okay. But here's one of the things that I want you to, to know. I have come across people and I really believe that God intends for you to know that there was a moment. You know, I tell people a story that people ask me, you know, well, hey, you know, how long have you been married to your wife? I said, ah, it's been be 31 years. And when did you get married? I, I don't know. We just, we just kind of became married at some point. It doesn't work that way. I mean, October the 19th was the date, 1991. 
actually be 32 this year. Holy mackerel. See, I'm not very good at years and stuff. I just did a little math there. I, I mathed right in front of y'all. Are y'all impressed? I mean, you'd think I would probably know that, but I didn't. All right. So anyway, it happened on October the 19th, and I stood up before, we stood up before a group of people, and we said our vows, and the pastor pronounces, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Boom. We were married right then in that moment. And so it didn't just like, well, I don't know. At some point we got, you know, we became married. It doesn't happen that way. It happens in a moment. And the same thing is true about your faith in Jesus. Now, there might be a journey. I can remember my kids telling, you know, or us telling our kids when they were young about Jesus. And, hey, one of these days you'll have the opportunity when you accept Christ as your own. But they have to come to that point themselves. And that happened in a moment. It didn't happen generally during the time they were with us. It was part of their journey. But they still had to choose at some point to trust Christ. And so if you don't have that moment and that causes you doubt, I'd encourage you, get, get that straight. You know, if it, well, I, I'm not saying you got to remember every detail. Hey, I, it was in middle school, seventh or eighth grade. I was at a camp. I remember the guy preached this or something was going on. My friend told me and I believed and I accepted Christ in that moment. I, I, you may not know every single detail, but you should know when it happened. Maybe you don't know the date, but you ought to know when it happened. Nobody just kind of becomes a Christian. Or, and one of the things I hear people say is, oh, I've always been a Christian. No, you haven't. You may have always known God, but you have to become a Christian by trusting in him at some point in time. And that I want you to understand. If you have this ongoing doubt about when you were saved or if you were saved when you, when you believe you have, then get, get that straight. It doesn't mean that there won't be doubts. I'm not saying that. But if you don't have a clear testimony about when you were saved and that's causing you to doubt. I, I want you to, we're going to give you an opportunity later today to fix that if you'd like to, to get saved, to, to know that this was the day. All right. And you know what? I, I've, I've known people that were, had been some of the great workers in a church. A friend of mine was a, a music minister and he wasn't saved until he was five or six years into being a music minister at a church. Something about the music guys. No, I'm just kidding, Brandon. He's in here. But here's the deal is you can do all the stuff without really knowing Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, many are going to come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that in your name? And he's going to say, I never knew you. So it's not about what you do. People can do things that look Christian without knowing Jesus. You want to know that you know Jesus. And if you don't have that affirmation of the spirit, yes, I know that I know that I know that I belong to Christ and you want to get that straight, I'd encourage you to do that. And I'm not trying to make you doubt your salvation. If you don't, if you have that affirmation, then hey, move on and, and, and go on with life. But that's one of the things the spirit was given to us for was to affirm that we're God's children. And since we're his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God, God's glory. So we've not only become sons and daughters of Christ, we are now co-heirs along with him of all that is to come. Everything that's been promised, the earth being remade, the, the, the victories that are to come, we're co-heirs with Christ with all those things. We have a glorious and amazing future that is going to take place over the years ahead. It may be hard to look around right now and see that, but if you want to know, look in the Bible. The Bible talks about the times that we're in now and about what comes after. 
and we're going to be around for what's after. So that's one of the things the Spirit does. He leads us to truth. He affirms in us that we belong to Him. And then the second thing, He says He leads us into truth. And that happens usually through the Word of God. It says in John 14, 17, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He said that to the apostles. John 15, 26. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the father and will testify all about me. John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Now that last part is really important. Because most of the ways that the Holy Spirit guides us into truth is by speaking to us and illuminating the Word of God. You know, Paul even said the things of the cross, that God's Word is foolishness to those who are without Christ. But to us who believe, it's life. And that the, the words of Scripture are illuminated by the Holy Spirit. That's how we understand things that we shouldn't be able to understand. That's how God speaks to us through his word. And I want to tell you one thing right now. There is no revelation that comes from the spirit that is apart from the word of God. And what I mean by that is any, if somebody tells you they got something from the spirit and it contradicts the word of God, they didn't get that from the Holy Spirit of God. Okay, God, it said in that last part, he will only tell you what he has heard. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. God never changes. If somebody tries to tell you that, that they have a new word from God and that it changes the old word from God, that's not from God. Because the same God who gave this is the same as the God today who is alive and who speaks through the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit leads us into truth. Helps us, not only that, but it helps us to see how the truths of Scripture apply in our lives. That's part of the function of the Holy Spirit. And that's part of the transformation process that comes. And now this next part is about how the Spirit transforms. And this is probably where we're going to spend most of our time today, is on the transformational work of the Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that is one of the greatest um, struggles right now within the church, as a, the church here, the church all over the world, and the world in general is freedom. What are we free to do? And when Jesus died on the cross, it set us free from the penalties of sin. So in other words, when we sin, when you're in Jesus, you don't have to pay the penalty for that. Jesus already paid it. And so there's freedom that comes. We've been set free from the law. Okay? But the deal with freedom is this. Freedom plus love equals service and righteous living. Freedom minus love equals slavery to sin. That's what happens. And so that's the struggle that we see in the world that we're living in today. And it's the struggle in large part in the church too. So wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That's part of the, the main function of the Holy Spirit is to transform us from the inside 
into the image of Christ. It's, it's not, we're never going to be perfect in that. We're not going to be fully like Jesus, the Bible says, until we see him face to face. And then we'll be like him because we will see him just as he is. That's when that work gets finished. And the good thing is the Bible tells us that whatever he's has started, God will finish. You look a little bit more like Jesus. If you know Jesus, you look a little bit more like him than you used to. And for some of you, maybe it's a lot more like him. But that work's not going to be completed until we come face to face with Christ. But in the meantime, he's moving us in that direction. When we're being guided by the spirit, when we're yielding to the spirit in our everyday life, and we're going to talk about that too, is that's, that's part of his purpose is to make us more like Christ. Now, what's the, what is the, the hindrance to that? We're the hindrance. Okay. Galatians 5, 16 through 25. I have a little struggle with my voice today, so I may hit the do a little extra harder, just so y'all know. All right. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Now, I want you to catch from that. That's something we have to choose to do. We're not puppets of God just because his spirit lives within us. God, allow, we, we still have the freedom of choice. And the best choice is to let the Spirit guide our lives. Then he says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. See, here's the thing, is that the Spirit of Christ is in us, but our old nature, the flesh, our sin nature is in there too. Okay. And that's not fully removed until we come face to face with Jesus and we become like him. Okay. But until then there's a battle goes on between us. It goes on every day. It goes on every week, every month, every year. And that battle is, do I want to do what the, what my flesh tells me to do? Hey, that would be, that would feel good. I want to do that. That's something I desire versus what I know I should do, which is the right thing. There are always those battles that go on. And that, those wars are going on inside of us, and they're going on inside the church, and they're going on in, in the world around us. Now, I'm going to start with the world around us. You can see all the time that these battles are going on. And there's extremes even within the church, and you can see those in the, the world around us too. You can see... In the church, there's this argument. There's some who are trying to make people more comfortable with their sin. In other words, they're saying, hey, it's not that big a deal. Everybody does this. You know, I, okay, yeah, I do this, but I still love Jesus. Yeah, I do that, but I still love Jesus. And what it's basically doing is, it's trying to make you feel more comfortable in your sin. Like it's not a big deal. And then there's the other side that is the legalism side. And that side says, hey, if you do that, you're not even a Christian. Hey, if you do that, then you're not any good. Hey, if you do that, then God can't ever use you. Both of those are equally wrong. God's word is true and it is serious. Now, there's some things that we see in scripture, like, you know, hey, don't let any coarse talk come from your mouth. Oh, well, you know, I mean, every now and then I've crossed a little line here or there. And we just... It's not like I killed anybody. It's not like I did that. But guess what? It's a serious thing to God because it's sin. And the wages of sin is death. Not just the wages of the big sins, 
that we would see them as the wages of sin. Any sin is death. And so those things are important. And our sinful nature wants to do those things. We want to get a laugh. We want to tell a little off-color joke. We want to say this word because we want people to pay attention. Hey, everybody else is saying it. But the Spirit of God says, don't do that. The Spirit of God says, choose the right thing. And here's the deal. There's always a consequence. There's consequences from following the ways of the flesh, and there are consequences from following the ways of the Spirit. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But within the church, there's that, those extremes. There's legalism, and then there is license to do whatever you want. And the truth is somewhere in the middle. Okay? We do have freedom in Christ. We don't have to go out and, and make an animal sacrifice. We don't have to avoid certain types of, you know, we can't have clothes that are mixed um, materials. We don't have to worry about, everybody can enjoy some bacon. It's okay now. We don't have to worry about not eating pork or whatever. We don't have, we're not called to, to follow those restrictions of the law. And there are a lot of, man, there are a lot of laws in the Old Testament. I mean, there's books that are just full of them. And we're, we're not required to follow the Old Testament traditions. We are required to be righteous and to be holy before God. But we don't have to do all those things. We have freedom now. We can do what we want to. But we have to understand if we choose to follow the things of the flesh, there are consequences. If we choose to follow the things of the spirit, there are good consequences. That war is going on within us. In the world around us, it is going on. You see, there are two, two things there in the world around us. Somebody chooses, and it, it amazes me how often this happens. Somebody chooses to go out and murder a bunch of people they don't even know, or maybe they knew and randomly killed. I, I don't know. And you know what? There's part of us that goes, man, there's something wrong. And then there's people, well, we need more laws. We need to pass. We have, you know, we have thousands of laws on the books that would re relate to those circumstances. But it's not stopping anybody. Because laws don't make people do right. It doesn't for us either. Even as believers, the law can't make you do right. When we yield to the Holy Spirit, that's when we do right. And that's when not only do we do right, we have the power to do what is right. Because otherwise, we're a slave to our flesh. Anyone who sins, Jesus said, is a slave to sin. But Jesus came to set us free from slavery. And so now we have a choice. I can choose not to go down that road. All right? So now, these forces are currently constantly fighting each other. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not, un not under obligation to the law of Moses. That's where that freedom comes in. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. So if none of those hit you, you're pretty awesome. I'm going to tell you that. Because there's a couple of those in there that made me cringe a little bit. And I'm betting the same thing's true for you. But if none of those hit you, he throws in there at the end and other sins like these, just in case. <laughs> because here's the deal. We get hit by, by something in there. All right? Now, here's the deal. Here's where that legalism versus license comes in. 
You'll hear, and this is how you can know that teaching is not of the Spirit, is when they try to make you feel comfortable in the fact that you're a sinner, that's not of God. That's not of the Spirit. Now, the Spirit doesn't condemn, doesn't say, oh, well, you're, you're, you're useless because you sin, but it never makes you comfortable in your own sin. It convicts of sin. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So when you say teach, see teaching that tries to say, well, these sins are not really as big a deal as they're made out to be, that's not of God, okay? And here's how it can happen. Sexual immorality, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's just not practical in this day and age to expect people to be abstinent until they're married. I mean, there's just, what that's saying is that the Holy Spirit doesn't have the power to help you walk the right way. And that's a lie. And the other part of that, there are consequences for sexual immorality. It may feel good in the moment, but there's a price to be paid. You know, the society will tell you, well, I mean, you know, how do you really know somebody until you've lived with them for a while? Look, marriage is about learning each other. It's about growing together. It's about making a commitment before God to forsake all others. And when you decide to do marriage things without a marriage commitment, you have a recipe for disaster. And here's the deal. You don't believe me? Just look up statistics. Did you know the statistics for people who live together before they're married? Divorce is at a much higher rate than those who don't. Okay? Because here's the deal. When you get married, you don't know everything about the other person. You're going to learn them as the years go along. And I, I don't mean this to, I really don't want to discourage anybody that's about to get married or is married already. But I want you to hear me. Some of the things you are going to learn, you are not going to like. And some of the things they learn about you, they're not going to like either. But when you've made a commitment to God to be with that person forever, you accept it and you love them anyway and you move on. When you haven't made that commitment, you think, well, maybe I can find somebody else that doesn't have this stuff that I don't like. Guess what? You can't. That's why you make the commitment because otherwise there are consequences. Now, there's good consequences too. When you've done things the right way, there's a clear conscience. There's an ability to, to trust one another moving forward. There is a blessing that comes with that. Now, I don't want to discourage you. If, if you've made mistakes in the past, the past is the past. You can't do anything about that. Okay? But what you can do is Seek to follow God and to, to live by his spirit today and this day forward. And you know what? God can still bless your marriage, and he will when you turn it over to him. I don't care how it started. He can bless. But I bet most of the people that did that would tell you there might have been an easier way, and there is. So that's one of them. Second thing, it talks about impurity, lustful pleasures. What does the world say? Well, you know what? Pornography is not really cheating because you're not really with somebody else but it causes damage. It changes the way you see members of the opposite sex. You start looking at them as objects instead of as people. You start getting unrealistic, unrealistic expectations. And do you know what one of the highest causes of impotence in a married couple in the man is? It's pornography. It's science, people. Look it up. 
there are consequences that come as a result. Now, when you choose to be pure, let me tell you something. It'll increase your desire for your spouse when you choose to be mentally pure. It will heighten the sexual life that you have with the one you are married to. It will improve it. It will bless it. So try it if you haven't. And see, there are good consequences and there are bad consequences. And y'all know I don't avoid any subject in here, right? Some of y'all are like, oh my gosh, he's talking about pornography. I did. <laughs> now, there's other things. Hostility. I'm not going to talk about sorcery. Um, that's uh, Idolatry and sorcery is putting anything ahead of God. And there are a lot of false religions, a lot of false things out there. Everything you look at, there's some kind of, oh, we'll get this rock or this spirit or this thing, and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. Be careful of all those things, even when they seem innocent. Don't allow them into your home. <clears throat> now, the next things it talks about, outbursts of anger, jealousy, quarreling, hostility, selfish ambition, dissension, division. I don't know about y'all, but we got a little bit of that going on in this country, don't we? We got it going on within the church. We got it everywhere. Be careful. And here's what the world or those who are trying to downplay your sin will tell you, well, you know what? You got to stand up for yourself. If you don't do it, nobody else will. Is that what Jesus said? Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Jesus said, walk an extra mile. You know what that meant? A Roman soldier had the right to make someone who was a civilian carry their pack for one mile. And you know what Jesus said? Even though they're forcing you to do that for a mile, do it too. Do it extra. Because you love me. And you know what? I want to ask you a question. What, where do you see that in our society? Because nowadays, most of us are like, I ain't, ain't nobody getting a thing over me. You cut in front of me in line at the Walmarts, we're going to have a video, viral video moment right there. <laughs> you do something to me while I'm driving, road rage, let her rip. You do anything at all. It's like you, you, you've been given license to have this outburst of anger, which is the opposite of being guided by the Spirit. Now, I want to say something clearly. Everybody blows it every now and then. Okay? But when you excuse that and make it a way of living, there are going to be greater consequences. You know, the Bible, you know what the Bible says? It said avoid a hot-tempered man. Stay away from him because eventually the punishments that come on them are going to come on you too. It's not even talking about the one that's hot-tempered anymore. It's saying, hey, you need to stay away from them. So we need to be careful that we don't allow those things to take root in our lives, that we don't make excuse for sin, that we don't follow the ways of the flesh, and that when we do fall to them, we pick ourselves up, we repent of it, and we move on. Now, here's the, the good consequences. All right, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. You see, we think that, well, if we have this outburst of anger, if I let it all out, I told them off. 
in a moment, it may give us a little bit of gratification, but there's always regret that comes running right behind it, isn't there? But when we follow the ways of the Spirit and we do the right thing, you know what we get? Love, joy, peace. I, I have yet to come across somebody who goes, man, I just got too much love, joy, and peace in my life. I'd really like to get a little bit of hatred, bitter, clinging, sadness, and conflict. Have you met anybody that wanted that? Of course not. But that's what we get when we choose the ways of the flesh over the ways of the spirit. That's the fruit of those things. That's the, the consequence of those things. But when we choose to do right, even though, and here, I want to tell you this little secret. It's nearly always hard in the moment to do the right thing, isn't it? You know what? Here's the deal. There's nothing in life that's good and worthwhile that isn't difficult, is there? It's always hard. But love, joy, and peace, they're worth it, aren't they? When we choose to follow the ways of the Spirit, when we choose to be led by the Spirit, it brings love, joy, peace, patience. I have yet to meet anybody yet that said, man, I'm just too patient. I need a little bit of impatience in my life. Have you? I'm too kind. I need some meanness. I need to be meaner. Goodness, I'm tired of being good. Faithfulness, I want to be faithless. I want to be somebody nobody can depend on. Gentleness and self-control. I have yet to meet anybody that said, man, I wish I could just be more undisciplined in life. Now, yeah, I've met people who want to be more spontaneous. I get that. You can maybe be over-disciplined. But self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. It's when we choose to follow His things. And those deals are always hard. They're always hard. Worthwhile things are always difficult. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. You know, there comes a moment, doesn't there? There, there really does. There comes a moment in every situation where we consciously make a choice. You know, I could let this go. I could turn away from this. I can choose not to look at this today. I'm not going to pursue that relationship, even though somebody looks like somebody opened it up to me because I know it's not right. There's a moment when you can choose. Because you, know, you, you want to know why I know that? Because God promises us that with every temptation, there will always be a way of escape. There's always an opportunity to make a choice. There's nobody that can say, man, I had no choice. Nobody can say that. We will, you will always have a choice. You may not get to choose what happens to you in life, but you can always choose how you react to it. You get to make that choice. Nobody can take it from you. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. In that moment, have determined ahead of time, man, I'm, I'm going to choose the right, I'm going to choose what the Spirit leads me to do.
I'm going to choose the right way. I'm going to choose the thing that looks most like Jesus. I'm going to choose to do right. Those are opportunities that we will all have. We'll have multiple opportunities this week. And you know what? No matter how hard you try, there, there, there'll be moments of failure, even if it's just in our heart. And when that happens, we repent of them, we get up and we move on. Now, the very last thing I want to talk about is this. In every instance in the, in the New Testament, when the Spirit fell on people, they were given words and power to bear witness to Jesus. In one place, Peter had been before the, the courts with another disciple, and they told him to quit preaching the Word of God, and he said he wasn't going to. So they punished him and then let him go. And he went and told the church, and you know what? He wasn't telling it. And, oh, man, this poor thing that happened to me, they said, you know what? Hey, we got tested, and, and we stood up, and we refused to take the easy way out. And after this prayer, the, the meeting took place, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the Word of God with boldness. And there's some of y'all here today that you, you've, been, you, you've been following Jesus. You've been trying to walk the way of the Spirit. But maybe you've been struggling because, man, you just don't know how to start. You don't know what to say. You're afraid to, to talk about your faith or to talk about Christ because you just, man, I, I may say the wrong thing. You know what? The Spirit will give you the right thing to say at the right moment. I'm not saying to force an opportunity, but when it comes along, step into it and trust that God will speak through you. Trust that he'll give you the words. Because you know what he said? He'll give them to you when you need them, not before. Corey Tinboom was, she was famous in America when I was a child. And she had been part of the Dutch resistance against the Nazis and it helped a number of Jews escape. They hid them in their home, built a little secret place and just, just ran them through hundreds of them, to save them from extermination. And her dad was a wise man who loved God, and she went to him one time and said, you know, what, what if I get arrested and they, they're trying to torture me, or they're, they're, they're trying to ask me things, how am I going to know what to say? And he said, listen, when I send you as a child, when I told you to go take a train somewhere, did I give you the money ahead of time? And she said, no. When did I give it to you? When it was time to get on the train. Right when you needed it, not before. And so she was arrested. And she did undergo living in a concentration camp. But they never broke her faith. And even though she was worried about breaking, God gave her everything she needed to stand up through that trial. And God will give you what you need when you need it. So walk and live as though you're going to have what you need when you need it. And some of you just need that little push. So when that time comes, you're ready to talk and you're ready to speak. Now, some of you, you're in that place where you're struggling with between the things of the spirit and the things of the world, the flesh. 
And there may be some areas where you've just kind of given up in the areas of the flesh and you've just kind of gone with them. And I'm going to tell you, here's what you got to do. It's as simple as this. Repent and return again to Christ. Every time we blow it, that's what we got to do. And if you've been doing that over a period of time, you got to turn away from it. Now, let me tell you what Satan's going to try to get you to do. He's not going to tell you not to repent. He's not going to tell you not to change. He's just going to say, don't do it today. That's what he's going to do. Because if he can get you to say not today enough, eventually that becomes a long-term no, doesn't it? So if God's calling you to repent about something, do it today. Repent means to turn away from it. Some of you need to go home and hand your, your phones or your iPads or whatever to your wife and say, hey, look, put controls on these so that I can't look at stuff I don't need to. Some of you need to go home and end a relationship that you know is not of God. Some of you need to take a step, make a decision, turn away from things that are, that are killing you. And then there's some of us where you're still in that place in the beginning where it says the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. And, and you realize and you know, I need a Savior. And we want to give you an opportunity to be forgiven, to be transformed, to be set free, and to become a child of God. And there's really three simple things. Number one, you got to admit you're a sinner and ask forgiveness. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when we come to, come to God, we've got to ask forgiveness of our sins. The second thing is you've got to believe that Jesus is God's son. That he died on the cross. The Spirit testifies to who Jesus is. That he died on the cross and he rose on the third day to give you life. And then the last thing is you've got to confess Jesus is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you have an opportunity today. If you'd like to know, number one, that your sins are forgiven. If you'd like to know that you, on this day, were adopted as a child, as a son or a daughter of God. And if you'd like to know that that comes with promises to inherit everything for all eternity. If you'd like to know that, that that's done, I want to encourage you today. I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation. You can use the words that I pray or you can pray your own words. You can repeat these after me. But I want you to pray them with me now. Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Change me. I believe today. I trust Jesus as my Savior. And I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer today without anybody else looking around, here's all I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to look up at me right now so that I can pray for you. If you prayed that today, you look up at me right now and keep looking until I see you.
All right. See you. Okay. Gotcha. All right. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for those that, that accepted Christ today. And I also want to pray for anybody that's struggling to witness that God would give you boldness and that's struggling to turn away from the things of the flesh. For those who made a decision to trust Christ today, here's what I want to encourage you to do. There's a number on your screen. You can text SAVE to that number. You can open up with that code there, an ability to, to contact us, and that'll just send us a message. We'd love to get back with you and set up a time to talk with you, either in person or on the phone, because we'd love to answer questions, any questions you have about the decision to follow Christ, and we'd also like to talk to you about the next steps in following Him. We're not going to ask you for anything. We're not going to put you on a mailing list. You don't even have to come back to church here. You're more than welcome to. We'd love to have you. But we want to help you no matter what. And so I'd encourage you to get in touch with someone. Our staff's out there at the Information Center. You can go out there and talk to someone. We'd love to talk to you about it today. But right now, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your love. And thank you for the gift of your spirit. Father, I pray for those that have made a decision today to trust and follow you. That, Lord, you would by your spirit affirm in their hearts, God, that they are your son, your daughter, your child. And Father, we thank you for that knowledge and that truth. And Father, I pray that as they begin to follow you in their life, that, Lord, you would lead them and guide them by your spirit and the truth and in decisions that honor you and bring joy, peace, and love to their life. Father, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.